Hey guys, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Life from the perspective of a military family member is way different than a civilian standpoint. Military children and family members give up their hopes and dreams to be able to stand by and support their service member, and it isn't an easy lifestyle for anyone to live. I hope that this podcast is able to help connect the military community and give others just a glimpse into what the military life is like from the perspective of spouses and children. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life. Today, I am here with Wendy. So welcome to the podcast, Wendy. How are you? Thank you. I'm I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Yes, of course. So you were both a military child and a military spouse. So kind of give me a little bit of background on that. Well, I'm not sure I can claim being a military child. <laughs> my dad, my dad did serve in the Navy, but he, he, his service was before I was born. So, um, so I'm not sure if, if claiming a military child is actually fair, but, but he did serve and I have lots of family members who served as well. Um, but I am a military spouse. My husband served 20 years in the Navy. So we are now on the other side of that. So I guess, I guess I'm a veteran spouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, kind of take me through what that journey was like for you and some of the experiences you've had and what it was like being, you know, you know, kind of growing up around military, not necessarily being around when your dad served, but growing up around a military family and then experiencing it from the spouse perspective. Yeah. So my, my dad, like I said, my dad served before I was born, but, um, we kind of lived a little bit of the military life because, um, he worked for the CIA for a bunch of years. So we had eight, you know, eight years. I lived the first eight years of my life overseas. So it's, and we lived on military, on a military base back in, in the Philippines. So it was kind of like, kind of like being in the military. And, um, so having that experience as a child was, um, was pretty great because we had, I had such a untypical, you know, child life having, you know, experienced all those other cultures. So then when I, um, when I grew up, when I graduated from college and I met my husband who was in the Navy, I didn't, I, I wasn't sure that I was really ready to marry a military person, <laughs> but, I, but here we are. So I did. And, and it was, it was an easy transition for me. I just loved it because having um, just, it was such an honor to be part of the military community because I had um, three generations and four service branches of military members in my extended family. And so being, being married into it just seemed like the natural, natural thing and such a great way to honor all of the other um, family members who had served. Yeah. You had mentioned kind of like being hesitant about, you know, marrying into the military. Why was that? Um, I don't know. I probably didn't know as much about it, but, you know, like a lot of, um, it's funny how many military um, spouses I talk to who say, who have similar stories to, to mine and that we, we met and three months after meeting, we were engaged. And then a year later we were married. So it wasn't, it wasn't for a deployment or a PCS or anything. It just happened to work out that way. And yeah. um, I just knew, I, I don't know, people say, you know, some people say they just knew that, that that's what was meant to be. And I did, I did know. So it all worked out and here we are almost 28 years later, still married. So it 
must have been the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is definitely my story too. Yes. I, yeah. We're at six months now. We're planning a wedding for, you know, about a year out from now. So within a year and a half, you know, you, yes. know, you just know, yes. and it's that military lifestyle that, you know, there's not necessarily anything like pushing you saying, you know, you know, like you said, a deployment, like, you know, gotta go, gotta right. move. Gotta go. Exactly. Just yeah. No, it just felt like the right decision. And I don't know. I think it's just something you jump in feet first and just hope the net appears and it just, it just seems to. So at yeah. least that, at least, it, at least it did in my situation. So I hope it does <laughs> for you too. <laughs> yes. Um, what was it like, you know, growing up overseas and spending a lot of time over there and then like moving back to the States? Um, so I am a lot older than you are. So I, <laughs> when, I, when, when I grew up overseas, that was back in the seven, in the 1970s. And so things were much different than they are now living overseas because, um, we lived all over Asia and, uh, it was very, very different than now because, um, I mean, Americans were much less, uh, less, less frequent over there. So we had a lot of, we got a lot of stares when we went everywhere. People weren't used to seeing Americans. So that was quite a different time than now. But I, if I look back, we, so when my husband was in Navy, we were in Okinawa for three years. And so I think about that more related to today because right. it wasn't as long, it wasn't as long ago, but it was still really before the not before the internet, but before the cell phone boom. So there was a lot less technology. And I, so I think being connected to family back when we were in Okinawa was much harder than it is now with, with the internet and just being able to FaceTime and being connected so easily and hearing people talk about how things have changed since then. It's, things change quickly overseas as much as they do here. And it's different. Um, but you asked about the difference between being over there, that probably like culture difference. One thing about being in Okinawa, it's a small island. There's not much, not many, not far to go. And so we had limited choices. There weren't a lot of um, shopping places, a lot of things to choose from, even TV channels. I think we had one American TV channel. And most Americans have, would probably be like, oh my God, I would die if I didn't have, <laughs> you know, the unlimited choices that we do as Americans. But sure. I miss, I miss that. I, it was such a simple life. It was just easier. You just had few places to shop. That's where you shopped and that's what you did. And you stayed, it was a small Island. So you stayed in locally and you did what was available. And so I miss that because I think sometimes we get way too overwhelmed with all of the, the unlimited everything that we have in the States. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, a different lifestyle from, from overseas and having that experience of just, you know, not everything is there at your fingertips, you know, when you need it. And then, yeah. you know, over here, it's like anything and everything you could ever need is like available to you. Ab Absolutely. And back when we were overseas, when I was a child, there was, I mean, there was almost nothing. I, I remember my mom talking about before we went to China, they had to pack up canned, like canned foods and non-perishables and send them over ahead of us because there, what we couldn't get anything. The only things we could get were at the embassy. So you 
you had, you didn't, it was almost completely cut off from the States and you just got little bits here and there if somebody sent a plane over with loaded with supplies. So yeah, it was quite a different, different experience than we have now. Yeah, for sure. And then what kind of things have you experienced? Like, you know, the community and like the military community as like a spouse? As a spouse? Well, we, I don't, think I have, I always say I don't, I didn't have a typical military spouse um, experience living on base. Um, we never lived, we've never lived on base. Um, my husband was mostly stationed here in the DC area during his entire career while we were married. And except for the three years in Okinawa, and even then we chose to live off base, which right. I don't, which was amazing. I don't regret doing that at yeah. all. But we did meet some you know, we had some friends who lived on base. And so I think it's that when you meet, it's that immediate close, like family feeling because you have this thing in common that you're this life that you're living. So you, you immediately feel connected because you have similar experiences with, you know, oh my gosh, you just PCS, you had to just move all your stuff. You had to, you know, pack up your children and bring them you know, on a 13 hour plane ride. So there, sure. there's, you know, so much in common. So I think the difference is that, that with military families, you make friends easier and quicker than you do um, just out, you know, in, a, in living out in a community in the, in the States. Yeah. You have just that one kind of shared thing that's in common and it can, you know, create a lifelong friendship that, you know, turns into someone like family. Yes, it does. And like I always say, it's, it's, you know, it's the family you choose along the way. So we always, you know, no matter where you are, you, you end up with people who feel like your family. So it's great. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, those people, no matter where you are, like, you know, if they were still in Okinawa and you were back in the <laughs> States, it's like, you know, you can have people all over the world and, you know, you still keep in contact with them. You still, you understand the lifestyle and, yes. you know, there's just so much that, that you have in common, but it's also the thing of, if you don't talk for quite, quite a few months or quite a few years, then you start talking with someone and it's like, you, you never missed a beat. <laughs> like, you know? Exactly. Exactly. There's always that connection that you have. So I think, I think it's great. It is. Yeah. And it's such a important factor that, you know, I don't think civilians recognize that, you know, we have within the military of, you know, these people surround you and end up becoming your family, especially when a loved one is deployed or, you know, away. They ha- you have these people that you can rely on, even if you're not living by, you know, your blood family. Exactly. And I even find out what I'm out and about. If I meet somebody who says, Oh, I've, I was in the military or my spouse was in the military. You, there's this level of trust almost that you are yeah. because, because you have this thing in common, the military, and that you feel like, Oh, you know, wow. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a completely different feeling unless you, unless you've already, unless you've been there and you know that it's hard to explain to someone. So I'm sure you felt that way too. It's like, Oh, we have this in common. So yeah. I trust you more than I would. <laughs> it's not yeah. you feel like a stranger. That's what I'm trying exactly. to say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, my mom, um, my dad was injured in Afghanistan. And so we ended up uh, kind of in a 
you know, unstable situation while he was recovering. And, you know, her and my dad would take trips out of town, you know, to do events or whatever mm-hmm. during that. And it was literally like a couple weeks, couple months went by and they had to take a trip. And she left us with someone that we knew for like two weeks. Yes. We had known that person for two weeks and she left, you know, an eight and nine-year-old with them and said, Hey, I trust you. Like, can you watch my kids? Wow. And wow. You just have that level of trust. Yes, for sure. I don't know. It, it's, I don't, I can't explain it, but you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't have to explain it to you. <laughs> I know it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't understand. Cause you're like, yeah. like if you, look to a civilian and you're like, okay, you know, trying to get to know them, like you're not going to know them at the same level within two weeks as you would someone military and say, Hey, let me leave my kids with you for a weekend while I go do this. Like you don't do that. No, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't have done that with my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But because you have the military connection, like there, there is that level of trust that you have, whether that's Mm -hmm. like, you know, something drastic of saying, Hey, can I leave my kids with you? Or, you know, even something as simple as, Hey, can you like let the dog out? Or can you, you know, just run an errand or something, whatever it may be. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So with everything, there comes some challenges and struggles. So what are some struggles that you've faced in the military life? Well, one for sure. Um, So I, I trained, I graduated from college with a degree in science and I have been lucky to work in the science field um, for all of my life. But when when my husband got orders to Okinawa, I had to leave the job here And I struggled for a number of months when we got to Okinawa to find a job. I was so lucky to find one as a civilian working for the Air Force. But that was, I don't even know how that happened. It was some magical, (laughs) magic powers (laughs) at work because those kind of jobs don't come up often. But then when we left Okinawa and came back to the States, I was unemployed for almost a year and had to look for a job. So I find that there are so many military spouses who are highly trained in not just the STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math fields, but other fields as well. So they've trained, they've gone to college, they're working in these fields, and then they have to give up that career because of, you know, their spouse being in the military. And so many of them have um, transitioned to their own businesses online so that they can carry them, carry it with them no matter where they go. But I still think there is a big uh, gap in this, the earning income and the, the job stability that, that military spouses face. And even, you know, even now in 2020, I think it's still a, a big problem and a big, um, it's a big sacrifice. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of, you know, spouses meet their spouse, you know, after college, after, you know, they've, you know, decided on this career path, this career field saying, hey, this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. And, you know, some even have jobs. And then when you're moving every two to four years, that's a new job at every location. And I mean, while there are a lot of remote jobs available, but there are not a lot of remote jobs in the STEM fields. And especially when you get into medicine and nursing and teaching, even your Mm -hmm. license doesn't change between state borders. 
Exactly. Even um, counselors and things, you know, uh, occupations like that. And But, you know, I'm hoping COVID kind of changed a lot of things with this with remote work and right. even the job I have, I still haven't gone back into the office. I'm still working at home full time um, remotely. So I'm hoping that will will help with this issue because there may be more remote work available, even, even worldwide. I don't know how, how we would solve the problem. Like you said, with the, with the licenses from state to state, but I think, you know, in some fields it might open up more opportunities. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you had mentioned, entrepreneurship is a huge thing within the military community. There are so many different websites, you know, Spousely is one of them, you know, where you can sell your products online and, you know, sort of like an Etsy for the military community. Yep. <laughs> like you yep. can definitely, there are so many different ways that you can carry on, you know, maybe not your first passion, but a passion. Um, yes. And, you know, in a sense to give back to the military community, connecting yourself, you know, we talked about the connection between uh, military members and spouses in the community. And so, you know, while there are some benefits to that, it's still hard giving up, you know, a dream that you once had of, you know, this is what I want to do. This is where I see myself going. It is. It is. And I hear that more often than you know. I really do. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, something that is when my dad was in, you know, entrepreneurship wasn't a huge thing. Like, you know, it was just coming about and that was about a decade ago. So yeah, I mean, growing. when we we were in Okinawa, that was 2000 to 2003. And it wasn't a thing then. I don't even think, I mean, I don't know what the rules are now, but back then, like you couldn't use um, your you, you know, military, um, the military mail system to run a mm-hmm. business. I don't know what anybody, I don't know if that's <laughs> still a thing, if they still yeah, don't, don't allow know. you to do that. Yeah. But, right. but that's why there's so many, you know, coaches and, um, just that, uh, service providers online because it's so easy for them to take it worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely something that, you know, is important because a lot of spouses, you know, that I've talked to as well, they're like, you know, we want to have a job, like, Mm -hmm. you know, for sure your number one priority and number one, you know, outlook for life is wanting to support your spouse, support the service member that, you know, you chose to spend the rest of your life with, like the one that you love. But a lot of people having a career is, is kind of a high priority and having to say, I have to give this all up is not easy. No, it isn't. Especially when you've trained a lot of years and studied a lot of years to do it. And, um, and I think it's not, it's not only just a sense of personal fulfillment and, and, you know, supporting your family, but it's getting harder and harder to live on a single income. So that right. is, you know, really um, important for a lot of family. It was for us, you know, yeah. to, to have the two have the two incomes to be able to to support our family. Yeah, yeah, and you know, not that you have said this or anything, but a lot of like people think that you know the military is like given things like, no, like we still have to, you know, pay our bills. We still have to, Mm -hmm. even if you live on, on, um, on military property, you still have to pay for housing. 
Like you don't mm-hmm. just get get handed housing. Like I've had no. people think that we just get handed all of this stuff and we don't. Like you still have to pay, you know, normal people things <laughs> to be exactly. able to survive. I mean, not, not, you know, bills, you, you still have, you know, cars and insurance and all of that. And it's harder for my husband was enlisted. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it is much harder. It is, there's much less funny when you're, um, when you're enlisted. So having that second income really is almost mess. It's almost necessary, not just um, a luxury. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had mentioned nowadays, like it's even harder to live off of one income and, you know, it, so true, especially now with looking at gas prices, you know, being four or five dollars, depending on where you are, you know, we're in Florida, we're in Southwest Florida, and we're just beginning to see, you know, the three again, and it's still like close (laughs) to a four, but you know, it's a celebration too. But, you know, a lot of these people are like, you know, thinking that everything is, you know, perfectly fine. And we can live off of the one income, but we can't. No, no, definitely. We never could. And we, so we struck, we struggled um, several times throughout, you know, throughout the years to be able to just make ends meet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important that, you know, spouses are, you know, at least given an opportunity to be able to have a career, to be able to work, you know, in whatever field that they want to (laughs) and to whatever capacity they want to as well. Yes, I, I think so too. I mean, I think maybe the military might say differently because yes, we're supposed <laughs> to support our service member, but you know, that if, if it's a, if it's, you know, if it's all at all possible, I think it's, yeah. a, it's a great thing to be able to have that. So, yeah. For sure. Cause you know, the first thing, you know, like we had said earlier is to back the service member and to stand by and be supportive. And, you know, that's, you know, your number one job as a spouse is to do of that. Of course. And, of course. you know, if a spouse wants to have a job, then, you know, all for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, with deployments and PCSs and things like that and TDYs, I mean, you, you sometimes are the, the one that has to stay back and take care of the kids and that, you know, that's, that's, that is your job as well. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of different plates and a lot of different, (laughs) you know, military spouses have to spread themselves thin sometimes to be able to get everything done. But, you know, it's they still deserve to 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 live the life that they wanted to live. I think so. To be fulfilled in doing at least something um, that really uh, like. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, so the last thing that I always like to ask, and some people find it the hardest question, um, <laughs> but what piece of advice? Oh, no, I'm afraid of what you're going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> what piece of advice would you give to another spouse? I think the best piece of advice is to, um, no matter where you go, to find community quickly to find people that you can um, depend on and just to look to build that, whether it's going out and um, volunteering or attending events, just to find those people that you can trust. Like we said, you can trust to take care of your kids if you need to, that you can um, ask to run an errand or um, that, that will just be your support system if you ever need it. I think that's important. Just especially not so you don't feel as alone when you're somewhere new, when you've just arrived. So finding that is just so important. 
Yes, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story and everything like that. Um, Where can people find you on social media? Yes. So I am on at Charlie Madison Originals, all one word. Um, It's not my name. It is uh, my business. And we actually create um, jewelry for military families to help inspire them through all these crazy seasons and ups and downs that we've talked about. And so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and online. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story and experiences. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Grace of a Military Child and Life. Make sure to set a reminder for every Tuesday to listen to a new episode. You can find us on Instagram and YouTube at Grace of a Military Child and Life. If you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, send a message to one of our social media platforms or email grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. See you next week.